now, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp.
worship you. How can you not worship God, people? Seriously. God is so good all the time. And uh, anyway, welcome to the show. Hope that that kind of, you know, set the mood for you to uh, worship the Lord. Because tonight what we're going to do is we're going to talk to a friend of mine who is on, I think, the front lines um, in the world of evangelism. Uh, my friend evangelist Rachel Howard is here to join me. She is a, a very popular live streamer, more popular than me. And she's all over the world uh, preaching in Pakistan and teaching everywhere with her husband and stuff. And it's so cool to have her on the show tonight. Um, I hope that if you, uh, um, you know, are catching the replay, you watch the whole thing, make sure you share it out, whatever platform you're on. Um, and, and Rachel, just welcome to the show. Glad you are here. The only thing missing is I can't hug you in person, but I wish I, I could. wish. I wish. One day soon now. I know. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. I know. It's so cool. Okay. So, um, all right. Well, you know how us girls are, right? So I... I want to know, uh, how did you get, how did you get started in live streaming? I mean, that's a kind of interesting thing, right? I mean, how did you find, like, like, were you originally on Periscope? I was on Periscope just a couple of times and I didn't, I didn't want to live stream. I didn't want to do it and I quit. But then, uh, the Lord had a different plan for me and he told me I had to come back. And so that's what I'm, what I'm doing. So I'm learning to like it. I'm learning to enjoy it. <laughs> so, but how did I how, don't enjoy it actually now? But it did, took me a while. How did you find it? You know, I found Periscope through a Rain, a girl named Rain, who was on Tommy's scope, and invited. I don't know how I found her, but anyways, I ended up watching Tommy, Tommy Norman, and. Um, as I've told Tommy before, I thought Tommy was like a teenager at that time, maybe doing it late because her parents had already gone to bed or something. Right. <laughs> then I found out that actually she was an adult. And so I began watching her and um, she blessed me and she's done so many people. So I know. Yeah. Do you know that Tommy actually holds the record for being the number one repeat guest on my show? I think I've heard that. I think I've heard you say that. Yeah, she's good. Yeah, I've had I've had her on. Um, I think in one year I had her I had her on over six times in one year. Wow. I need to get her on again. We were actually talking about that, and of course, you know, I dropped the ball because we're we're not broadcasting every day like we used to, and so it makes it harder because of the weekend and stuff. But but yeah, see that. And you know, I was thinking about that too. I was thinking I would not know you. I wouldn't know Tommy. Um, I wouldn't know, uh, Rick, I wouldn't know so many of the broadcasters we got, I mean, we got connected like four years ago, five years ago. Isn't that crazy? I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, it, it is. It's kind of, yeah. <laughs> Danielle, Danielle, uh, she's another one uh -huh. that, that I just love to death. There's a lot of them there that, yeah, mean the world to me. Okay, so let me, let's start back at, like, who are you? Where did you come from? No, <laughs> no, no. Actually, tell everybody a little bit about where you, you're, you're in California, right? In Burbank area? I am in California, yeah. Okay. Um, the land I was of... born in the Midwest. I'm from the Midwest, actually. Okay. And I uh, grew up there. 
and was born into a family of evangelism and ministry and a family that was in the doors of the church. Every time the doors were open, we were there. And uh, just actually on the weekends, we would go and we would go to the projects within the inner city and go and do ministry there and hold Bible clubs and go and evangelize. And, you know, I was a 12 year old girl walking up to a, you know, a, a basketball uh, court of a bunch of guys that were much bigger than me and asking them if I could tell them about Jesus. So that was kind of my start. It's all I've ever known. That is so cool. So, yeah. So you were raised in a Christian home then and, and, and you're still walking with the Lord. That's a miracle in itself, right? <laughs> I'll tell you what, Jesus is everything to me. I got saved when I was four. I got saved July 5th. 1964. I could tell you what I was wearing, where I was sitting, uh, everything about it. And I told my mom at that time, I thought that if I died right then, now, you know, that's pretty young, mm -hmm. but I knew I needed to be saved. So I went forward, got saved, got baptized. Um, there had to be something. I will tell a funny story about my dad here. I kind of wonder what kind of four-year-old I was, because I remember afterwards, um, we went out to eat. And my dad said that he had been worried about me. <laughs> so um, I thought he thought I wasn't going to get saved. And I was four and he was worried about me. So I might have been an ornery four-year-old. I don't know. <laughs> but that was, yeah, I'll never forget that. I thought, wow, that's, that's pretty bad. But um, yeah, and then I went to a Christian school all my life. Hmm. And so, God, Jesus, it's, I, I, my walk isn't by any means perfect, but if there's ever been a time that I walked away and said, I'm done with God, no, there's no way. There's no way. You know what? Amen to that. And I don't personally understand how people can. You know, I mean, there have been times for me where I've, I rem I'm, and I've shared this numerous times on the show, maybe not a ton, but a couple, uh, where I, I remember I was just so mad. I was so mad at God uh, that I ripped up my Bible and I kicked it around the house. I threw it in the air. I was, Rah! you know, this was like the, the closest I could to get, you know, beating God up was like destroying the Bible, um, which, you know, is why I have a new Bible. <laughs> Actually, the new Bible I got, well, the my favorite Bible is Randall has it, had, got it for me when I was, when I turned 30. Uh, so it's 22 years old now. And, and I just, it's, it's it's been taped and and got duct tape and you know and and all that but but i never walked away from god even during that time i was just really ticked off like really i'm gonna beat you up like <laughs> and and in the midst of it rachel i have to be honest and say that you know it wasn't like i knew i could beat god up i mean because <laughs> even in the midst of me feeling that way i felt so awful <laughs> and I remember yelling at God, telling me, go ahead, just send me to hell, you know, just do it, you know, <laughs> and I, and in the minute I said that, I just felt like, like, oh God, that's the most worst stupid thing ever in the world. I felt so bad. Um, and then I, I learned that God could handle my anger, you know, he could, he could handle my emotion and stuff. So how do you deal? I mean, you've been a lifelong believer, so how do you, how do you deal with, disappointment and the stuff that happens within the body of Christ where people, 
you know, they do reject Christ? Um, that's a good question. You know, I've been around a lot of Christians that and leaders that have um, done things that took them that unfortunately took them out of ministry. I have to say that I'm not surprised by I'm just not I'm not somebody that is easily surprised by any by any of that. And um, I just keep on looking to God. I just know that God will never fail me. God will never fail me. He will never fail me. Are there some people that reject? Are there people that make fun of me sometimes? I've had that all in my life <laughs> and uh, at times because of Jesus. Uh, in college, in my job, before I became full-time into ministry. And um, <laughs> it doesn't bother me. It really doesn't bother me. I'm chuckling because I'm known in certain quarters as that Bible woman. And I'm like, thanks for noticing. You want to re read I it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like, yeah, thanks. Yeah, I'm glad you noticed. If that's what you noticed about me, good. That's right. Yeah, right. I think yeah. it's great. Uh, so I want to say hi to Jill and Pam and Kevin. Um, Randall, I don't think we're on YouTube. Um, I was checking. And then there's uh, a QT lady and Penny are over on um, a Periscope. I think there's a couple other people there potentially. But I didn't. I can't see anybody on uh, on YouTube. So I don't, I don't know if we're over there or not because maybe we are. And I just don't know about it. But It shows that we're live. Really? Okay. Okay, well, I, well, anyway, if you're on YouTube, hello, people. Glad you're over there. I uh, just wanted to say that. Okay, now back to Rachel. Okay, so, um, okay, so Rachel, you, you are, um, uh, you call yourself an evangelist, and do you believe that that is your yeah. spiritual gift? I do believe that it is my spiritual gift, and it's been something that I've always done when I went away well I grew up doing it but then when I went to college I did not go to a Christian college um but I found it easy to share the gospel like I took speech class and we had to do a speech describing something about us and so I said what is a Christian and I presented the gospel um anything that we had to do it just became really second nature to me at the hospital uh, when I worked at the hospital, I was known as the chaplain, and they would, different floors would call me at nighttime, and because uh, if the chaplain wasn't ready, readily available to go and be with a family. I did not realize that God was going to take me out of medicine, um, something that I had gone to school for for so long, um, and put me into full-time evangelism work but i'm thankful that he did i've enjoyed it i loved it so. that's very cool just so everybody knows um the internet is a little bit lagging so randall's trying to work it to to get it where it's not as lagging so just that's why there's a size difference on the screen just so you know we're aware people um <clears throat> so you know it's funny to me because um uh you know the bible talks about how we have certain gifts the gifts of you know teaching and prophecy and all that and it's really neat to know at least I've discovered this that that when you have a gift um you can't really run away from it 
uh, because it doesn't matter what you do, you end up doing it anyway. <laughs> yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, so, and I know one of the things that I've been really excited about is I know that on your, uh, on your Facebook, you talk about how you've been recently given th these opportunities to minister in Pakistan and stuff via the internet. Tell me a little bit more about that. Well, wow. you know, if you would have told me that was going to happen uh, a couple years ago, the Lord had put it in my heart. I'm very big on two things, evangelism and discipleship. And I feel like it's we we do a disservice to new believers to just get them saved. And then that's it. And, uh, you know, and then we say goodbye. I mean, we, we just that's just wrong. So I've been discipling women for a long, since I was in my twenties. So we're talking 40, you know, 40 years. Um, and so God had given me what I thought was just gonna be California with the small churches, because they're the ones where the pastor has to do everything mm -hmm. and he doesn't have the time. And so evangelism doesn't happen because people get scared. They don't know how the pastor doesn't have time. And so that's what I thought the Lord was putting in my heart. And I've written a lot of the uh, discipleship material. I did my own material for when I discipleship, I did discipleship with women. And so I thought I was ready to go. And I began making contact with the local pastors. And then what happened? COVID. Mm. That's what happened. So then nobody, you know, it all became canceled and put on hold and all of that because I was going to go in on a Saturday or whenever and teach their congregation and take them through how to evangelize, how to disciple a new believer. And uh, I was so excited, but then COVID shut it down. But then all of a sudden, the next thing that happened was I got a message from the pastor in Pakistan preached. And so I thought, okay, you know, yeah, one time, you know, that's it. Sure, whatever. And so I did. But then I started getting calls from more pastors in Pakistan. And then I started getting calls from uh, to the point that I am now preaching about four days out of the week um, from right here in California to other countries and I also have three uh, TV programs now. So I don't know, um, you know, I just, whatever God gives me to share the gospel, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. So that's all I can say. If you would have asked me if I would have been doing that, you know, um, I wouldn't have guessed that that's the way it would have gone, but I'm so glad because I get to see what's going on around the world. And I get to tell people how much Jesus loves them. And especially some of the areas that are so poor. Mm -hmm. And they don't have, they don't have a lot of people that maybe care for them or go there or whatever. And I get to just come and talk to them. And, and it's funny because sometimes all that the pastor has is this little tiny cell phone. And I'm on a screen. It's a cell phone, you know, but I get to interact with these people and pray for them and in contact, be in contact with them. And, and um, I love prayer. God and put in my heart when I was a little girl was his word and prayer. And so 
it's been so exciting. I just love it. I just pray he keeps, he just keeps on giving me more. Yeah, that, that is cool. I, you know, everybody pray that this connection clears up. Okay. Cause we're getting a lot of interference, Rachel. It's, it's garbling. It's going in and out. It's, 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 uh, you're fine now, of course, now that you're not talking, you're fine. <laughs> of course you are. Uh, but so did, did you have any, um, I'm, I'm asking this because, you know, I've I've studied the persecuted church quite a bit. And I know that that Pakistan is a hot spot for Christian persecution. Um, were you and, and frankly, there's some scammer types, you know, on the Internet, you know, coming from Pakistan and other places or allegedly coming from Pakistan and stuff. How did you know these guys were legit when they reached out to you? Well, I talked to them. Because if someone asks me to do something, I want to know what they believe. I want to make sure that I'm in agreement with, you know, the major doctrine. Mm -hmm. um, I don't bother about the little things. But so I would ask questions and we would communicate that way. And I, you know, and I pray and I think the Holy Spirit leads me. Now, there are times where I have had to, um, yeah, I've canceled some because I have found out something. Um, so yeah, I think as long as I'm telling, you know, listen, if they're a scammer, then they need the gospel most of all. Right. And so, uh, <laughs> fine, I'll, I'll talk to you about the gospel, you know, and maybe it'll sink in and, and you'll get saved. But I pretty much just prayer and talking to them. I figure if they can carry on a good conversation with me without, you know, fumbling over some basic questions, then, um, then they're okay. And I look at their ministry also online. Sure. Well, see, I think that's a good thing because the truth is that the underground church and a lot of the persecuted church, um, they have very little, they, they don't have the access that we do. I think in America, we take this completely for granted that, you know, I mean, it used to be that there was book, Christian bookstores everywhere and now there's not. Interesting how that happened. Um, how they all of a sudden disappeared after Amazon took everything over. Um, go to christianbook.com, people. Buy stuff from christianbook.com. In fact, just a public service announcement. Uh, some of my friends, I was talking to somebody today, um, encouraging them to uh, get some of Ann Polk's stuff. You know, she's a, a, a the Lord delivered her from lesbianism. She's got a, a, you know, a great ministry, but Amazon will no longer carry books that show homosexuals can get saved and transformed and leave the lifestyle. They don't do it. They have completely banned books from these guys, from, from all, from a lot of my guests that have been on the show, like Stephen Black and uh, Joseph Nicolosi and, and others who, you know, they, they're sharing these testimonies. So christianbook.com. And I know at some point I will have an affiliate link for them, uh, but christianbook.com has a ton of stuff and they have a lot of good sales on, um, as well, but, um, but yeah, anyway, I, I lost my train of thought, just so you know, <laughs> I, forgot, oh, okay. I forgot why I brought that up, but anyway, um, yeah, so there you go. Uh, Christian bookstores disappearing. Oh yeah, that's what it was. So thank you, memory, <laughs> <laughs> my, my better half. Yeah, no. So, so, you know, having like when I was um, writing a lot about the Christian persecution, a lot of people didn't know that, you know, most pastors have very little training in all these countries and they don't have, you know, they don't have access to Lagos software or anything like that. 
In fact, there's a lot of ministries that can literally, like I know um, Dr. Woodrow Kroll from Back to the Bible from many years ago. He has a very cool ministry. I love him. He's like one of my favorite. But but he put all of his messages from Back to the Bible on a thumb drive. And and you can now buy that or sponsor it to be sent wherever. Oh, wow. So if you can, you know, and then that's designed to train pastors and stuff. Because even though I personally believe that if you really are born again, you have the Holy Spirit, if you have God's word, he'll teach you his word. I mean, he has me. But if you don't have somebody else teaching you how to do, you know, the ministry, you know, or, or kind of leading the way, then it can be kind of difficult to to know sometimes. And I think as Americans, we're really blessed because we have all that. Um, and, and God can use you to do that. So I think that's cool. So there you go. I want to let you know, two people, the whole bunch of you that are watching right now. <laughs> if you have any questions, let us know. Okay, I can take questions in the chat room uh, over on Periscope. Uh, and I think I can look over on Facebook, too, if you have any over there. Um, I don't know about YouTube because I haven't been able to find us on YouTube yet, but I think Randall can check over there. I'm checking. I mean, we're. Oh, there we are. Now we're live over there. Okay. So I didn't see it before. Hmm. Huh. Hmm. That's weird. Okay. Well, anyway. All right. So, um, so share with us a little bit about, um, your, you and your husband. Tell me about your marriage. How long you've been married? Uh, I'm married to the greatest guy in the world. Um, he's a worship leader. He's a musician. Uh, he's got an awesome uh, voice. He's he's more quiet. Um, the, he's a man of a few words, and so I'm blessed to um, to have him. He's kind of he keeps me, you know, at the level I should be because I can be a person of many words at times, too many words. Um, he, <laughs> I have no idea. He what that's loves like. the Lord. He loves the Lord, and um, he. We were just made for each other. We were just made for each other. That's all I can say. He works. Uh, he hasn't worked a lot since the shutdown because of COVID, but he um, he has worked in Hollywood. And so that job is kind of, you know, it's also become a little bit more picky because there's not a lot of jobs in Hollywood that a Christian, you know, uh, should be doing. So those things have kind of died down, but he's wonderful that's cool well i'm glad and and you know isn't it neat to have a, a spouse that supports you and what you do he does he supports me he prays for me there are times when i have woken up in the middle of the night and he's on his knees at my bedside praying for me and i didn't even know it um and i love that he supports me um yeah. Yeah. He's my advisor. He's my, as I told someone today, he's kind of my security guard because as you know, sometimes messages can um, come over Facebook. I was telling someone today that, you know, someone was um, sending me some very inappropriate messages. And that's when I hand my phone to my husband um, and he video calls them. <laughs> and the thing is, it comes up that it's Rachel, but they get this little surprise when it's actually my husband calling them. 
And so he takes care of that end for me and supports me. And he sings too sometimes. So that's, that's nice. cool. That is very cool. Well, you know what? I yeah, I always say when I get those messages because I get them too. You know, I'll either just block them or if I'm in that mood, I'll go. Really? You want to talk to my husband? Because you know, yeah. he would be more than happy to put a fist up your nose. You know, <laughs> 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 Mister. Uh, actually, my husband's gentle. <laughs> I would be the one willing to That's do that. Probably the way it is with me. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I I'll do, give a warning first. I, I do, I do think it's funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I would say probably the most provoked Randall ever got. And this, this is just funny because we went to Israel and we were on a flight to Israel, and I was sitting in an aisle seat, and there's this guy obviously in front of me, and this guy kept moving his seat back, and I'm not the smallest person in the world. You know, and those planes are like made for like petite women who are like a hundred pounds and I'm not. And anyway, guy, this guy kept just like moving his seat back. And so finally, you know, I said to him, I'm like, dude, can you like move your seat up? This is only a 15 hour flight. So like, it's a two hour flight. It's a 15 hour flight. And I'm like this, you know, and uh, I don't know what it was he said, but, but I went ahead and I, did I hit his chair? I can't. I think I did. I think I, you know. So, <laughs> and then he turned around and said something. And then my husband turned around. He and moved said, his chair back. He slammed it yeah. back after he hit it. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, and then my husband was like, you know. And then the, the steward or guy, you know, the flight attendant was like, do we have to break you up? You know, <laughs> fisticuffs going to Israel. But, uh, you know, it was it was just... And that was probably the most, you know, aggressive I've ever seen Randall. Because, I mean, where are you going to go? You're on the airplane, right? You can't throw the guy off. But Yeah, well, he stood up and was about to, I don't know what he's about to do. But oh, man. Yeah. I I just got in between. I got in his face and said, back down. Yeah. My hero. Yeah, he was. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> Tell me a little bit about what's going on in California, because we know Gavin Newsom has has lost his ever loving mind. It seems, uh, as a yeah. as a recovering Californian, that would be me, smart enough to get out of there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, um, yeah, he he needs to be safe, and sure. so I uh, he he has lost his mind. He's he is he is following. Um, he is following a different uh, spirit and not a good one. So, you know, I am praying. I do a lot of prayer walking, and I'm praying for him. I'm believing that he's going to get saved. I, right now, I'm concentrated on getting I do a lot of street evangelism. And so, you know, there's a lot of people. The good thing is, is that more people are getting the hint that this guy is nuts. And uh, so it's opening a door, actually, for the church, I believe. And so I talk to anybody about the Lord. That's just, the, you know, I, I ask the Holy Spirit when I'm in the car, where should I park? What store do you want me to go to? Because, you know, there may be several grocery stores um, of the same thing. You know, I'll be, which one, Lord? Where do you want me to park, Lord? And the reason I do that is because as the Spirit leads me, there's always somebody there to talk about to the, you know, to the, about them, to talk to women, to talk about the Lord to them. 
And so it's, um, I think California is going to experience revival. I think that that good things are in store for California. And so I'm holding to that. I am not going to let the devil, as long as I'm here, I'm not going to back down. And I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to stop evangelizing because the most important thing is to try and get the gospel to these people. Because as people get saved, and if you can work on getting them discipled, then you know what? They mm-hmm. open up. Their eyes are open. The scales fall off. Right. And people begin to see truth. And so that's my goal right now. You know, I know they're nuts. But I'll tell you something. I haven't wore a mask. Probably the first time you'll see me put on a mask is when I go vote. Because I'll probably have to wear one for that. But I don't wear a mask. And uh, don't plan on putting one on, you know. And so I walk around in my Trump hat, in my Trump pin, you know. (laughs) And um, I just just want to talk to people about the Lord. If we can get the people in California, the more that we can get saved, uh, the better chances that that we have. Amen. Amen. Pastor Tommy sent me this. Yeah, yeah, she did. She she sent me it. I think between you, me, and her, we could cover the nation. You take oh, California, yeah. I'll take the southern part, and Tommy could take Michigan and and all those areas. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. we'll we'll all walk around with our Trump hat on. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we'll make so. America great again. No, that's right. Uh, except my this I have yeah. so much hair; it's hard for me to wear a hat. But you guys got the point. Uh, yeah. Well, you know what? I think that's great. And I can tell you, I think that um, there's a misnomer about California. First of all, I think more people in California are conservative than liberal, first of all. Number two, California has had numerous revivals in its history. Yeah. I, got, I got saved in California. Um, I, was, I was a student at La Sierra High School, and in my freshman year... I was taking a a class, a choir class. I was in that class and another student by the name of Gail became my friend and and she started sharing the gospel with me. And she kept talking about God and I was like, (sighs) lapping it up. I was like, yeah, because my mom and dad were Catholic. They got divorced and my mom left my dad. Uh, I was dedicated as a baby in the Catholic church and I had um, my first communion. And after that, that was it. It was you know, no God after that, um, until, uh, Gail told me about the gospel and, um, and I got radically saved in a public school. In fact, student venture was what it was called back in the day from campus crusade for Christ, you know, Bill Bright's, uh, thing, you know, student venture was on campus. The, the, um, and this is so cool The uh, the, the Christian club was called the fish club at the time. And the year I went in, there was um, one senior uh, girl who was getting ready to graduate. And she was the only person in the fish club. And she had been praying that God would bring in new people. Well, Gail led me to the Lord. So me and Gail went to our Spanish teacher. Her name was Mrs. Lorraine Cardine. She actually just turned 86 years old. She's still living. Um, Spanish teacher. She She sponsored this class most joyful catholic charismatic woman i've ever met in my entire life love the lord i got to see her about 10 years ago or maybe 
don't know, maybe 15 years ago at my favorite, she was my second favorite teacher, my first favorite teacher's retirement. Um, and, <clears throat> and, uh, Mrs. Cardine would have that Bible study every week. And this guy named Steve came in. He played, uh, was it Steve that did that? Yeah. Steve taught us and Rusty played the guitar. Wow. And those two men who faithfully came in for two of us, you know, all through our freshman year. And then me and Gail, we just started evangelizing our campus. And by the end of my senior year, I think we had something like 40 or 50 in that um, group. One of the guys that got saved was a quarterback on our, on our um, football team. And today he is a pastor. Hallelujah. You know, um, and, and a number of our other friends also got saved and, and that happened in a public school. Yeah, it did take that. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um, and anyway, it just, it, so I think that California has a great heritage. Um, and I mean, you got Greg Laurie's church, you got Chuck Smith's church, you got vineyard down there. You have a whole bunch of, you know, you got Rick Warren's church, you know, even though I have issues with Rick Warren, but you know, the point is, is that there's a lot of big churches. John MacArthur's church, uh, yeah. is there. David Jeremiah. Yeah. yeah. David Jeremiah is he's, he's, he's in California. He's in San Diego. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So the point is there's a ton of stuff down there. Right. Yeah. And then of course you have, um, segments of Hollywood like Roma Downey and Mark Burnett, you know, they're down there. Uh, you got, you got Kirk Cameron down there and Candace, uh, Cameron Bure, she's down there, very active. Um, and I've had the blessing of interviewing some of these people, uh, Ray Comfort's ministry yeah. is down there. We've had Ray on our show a lot. He's, he's, he's fun. He's a fun guy. Um, but anyway, the point is, is that there's a ton of Christians in California. And I think Jack Hibbs has been like on the forefront, you know, of trying to call that state to repentance and, 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 and get the pastors to come out. I think it was what, October 25th, he was calling for all Californians to open their churches. I don't know how many did. I got to catch up on those streams, but, but, um, I think that there's a lot of hope. I really do. You know, what the devil has managed to do, and a lot of people have fallen for, is we look at somebody and we decide, oh, they'll never get saved. Right. And and I have a story about that, if you would let me share that. Absolutely, um, go for but it. But we believe, you know, we just believe, we believe that nonsense. We believe that, oh, if we go, you know, they're going to beat us up, or they're going to spit in our face, or they're going to, whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. Um many a few years back now um i was friends with a pastor and we would talk a lot and he would tell me um about i said tell me about your dad and he said oh my dad you know now my dad's not a christian you know he'll never get saved he's an alcoholic you don't understand i said i want to talk to your dad and he said i've never met the man he's like no, 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 I'm telling you, you don't understand. He could physically assault you and blah, blah, blah. And I said, I want to talk to your dad. So at some point, God told me, shut up. He said, you know, you deal with me about that and let me deal with this pastor who, um, you know, did not want me to talk to his dad. So I began to pray. 
and pray and pray. And about maybe a few months later, maybe four months, all of a sudden he says, you know, I'm thinking that we will get um, a, a present uh, for my dad. And it was, a, it was close to Thanksgiving, but it was going to be a Christmas thing. And he said, uh, you know, we'll go down there and see him. So I was like, thank you, Lord. You know, the Lord had dealt with him. And so we went there. I had already written out a letter just in case I did get physically tossed out. Um, I was going to somehow make sure that that letter was at least in the house. And I also had to pray about his sobriety because this man sat, according to his son, and drank hard liquor from morning to night. And so I began to gather prayer warriors. I began to pray. And the first time that we went and visited him, um, he was sober. And first time I met him, and I sat there and I watched football with him. And he loved football. I used to be a huge football fan, and I can talk intelligent about football. And so that amazed him. And so as we got to know each other that way, toward the end of that visit, I said, well, may I tell you about the most important thing in my life? And he said, well, certainly. And I told him about the gospel. And he said to me, you know what? Nobody ever explained it that way to me before. That makes sense. He didn't get saved, but we went back. Mm -hmm. And about the next time that we went back, he got saved. I started going down there every week. And it was funny because he had one of these legal tablets and he had made himself, a. he asked me to get him a Bible. He said, I want a Bible like yours. I said, okay. He said, can you get me some of those highlighters because I see that your Bible, I said, sure. So I went, I got it for him, and he built himself this little podium that would fit over his little lazy boy so he could just sit there and read the Bible. That guy was never drunk again in my presence at all. Nice. Totally sober. And um, he would, he asked, you could tell he was reading the Bible because of the questions that he asked. Right. And I, so, you know, it was just amazing. And going down there every week. And then a few months later, I got a call that he had, he had been diagnosed with liver failure and he was, um, he checked himself out of the hospital and he wanted to go home to die. And so I remember going there immediately and walking in and seeing that his belly had filled up with fluid from the ascites and he was so gray and just, oh, he looked, he looked like death warmed over. And I started crying. I couldn't hold back the tears. And he said to me, it's okay. Everything is okay. So he was pointing to, you know, with him and God. And so that was the last time that I saw him. And he passed away. And when he passed away, I went to um, the wake and I had people coming up to me from the, the VFW, I think it is, the, the lodge he, he knew a lot of people from. And they said, oh, wait a minute, are you the Bible girl? He said, yes. 
He said he loved that. He would tell us all about that. You know, here was this person, his own family member, who had just bought into, this guy will never get saved. He'll beat you up. He'll cuss you out. The guy, when I first met him, the first time I was down there, yeah, every other word was the F word. And when you're seeing an 80-some-year-old man use the F word, it's kind of like, whoa, you know? But right. but I, I didn't let that face me. But after that, you know what? I didn't hear that anymore. And when I first went down there, he also did GD a couple times. But after that, you know what? He would start to say it and he would go, oh, oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I mean, oh my gosh. You know, um, it was so sweet. And so we fall for these lies of the enemy. People are hungry. Never give up. Never give up on somebody for the gospel because you just don't know. Amen. Have you heard my story of how my mom got saved? I think you told it to me the other, did you tell it to me the other day or you said it on your broadcast? I can't remember, but I think so. Yeah. Yeah. She, she was, um, another hard nut to crack, you know, (laughs) you know, she, I prayed for my mom for well over 20 years. I mean, talk about a bloody knees. Not that I ever really had bloody knees, but you know what I mean? I was like, come on, God. You know, and I, and, and she got stage four cancer, um, mm-hmm. and I had not had any contact with her for about six months because I had been in therapy and I had been trying to get better. And my therapist was like, look, you, you need to break away from your mom. If you have any contact, she's just going to keep hurting you. Cause she was probably what we would consider a clinically, um, a, a clinically diagnostic uh, narcissist, uh, mm-hmm. and very abusive. And I, I mean, extremely abusive. And I remember going to my, uh, professor in college and telling him, you know, I had just found out my mom was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And in fact, the anniversary of her death is coming up in five days. And, um, it was interesting because she, um, he told me, he said, you know, you need to make a decision. You, you're either going to walk with her through this or you're going to not walk with her. You need to pray about it. And he said, my recommendation would be that you go and be a ministry of presence. And so I prayed about it. Of course, you know, you love your mother. (laughs) I'm not an idiot. I'm not one of these people that goes, oh, I'm in denial about stage four cancer. You know what I mean? Just saying. And so I I went down to uh, the, her, her, um, her mobile home where she lived and uh, and my mom was so mean. I mean, <laughs> there, there was nothing. I mean, literally nothing I could ever do right. She would tell me to do something. She would get it. She'd give it to me in writing. I would do it to the T in writing. And then she would tell me I did it wrong, even though I fulfilled it perfectly. Right. Well, she ended up in the hospital and I remember walking in and I saw her laid low. I mean, with diarrhea, all, you know, you know how cancer is. It's just ugly. And I walked in there and the, the peace of God just came on me and I walked over to her and, um, all of a sudden, you know, I was standing there and I looked at her and I said, look, I'm here. I want you to know one thing. I forgive you for what you did to me because she had handed me over to be molested by 
her uncle, my great uncle. And she never confessed anything. She never said, oh, yeah, I did all that to you. I mean, she knew she did it to me. You know, there was a police report and stuff and, and all that. But when I told her that, I meant it. Well, the next day, my brother calls me up, and he's overwhelmed. And I'm like, what the heck is going on with you? And my my brother was like, Mom just got saved. I said, what? You're kidding me, right? You're pulling my leg. He's like, no, she just got saved. Your mom just got saved. And and what was kind of cool was that the um, the the same people who God put in my life to bring me to church when I was in high school were the same people who were still my mom's neighbors who had for 20 years witnessed to my mother. It was a Filipino family. And they had actually gone over. They had continued to witness to her. And they had, um, they even baptized her in the tub and gave her communion and stuff. And, and, and uh, I didn't actually get pictures of her baptism until, I think it was probably 10 or 12 years after her death. And, and my mom didn't invite me to it, but (laughs) I was like, really mom, you didn't invite me to your baptism. Um, but, but I was with her when she died and so was Randall. And when she died, the peace of God came in because that's what my, my teacher told me. He said, you know, make sure you're there when she dies so that you could bear witness. And I was, I was so glad that I felt peace (laughs) because I was like, I knew she was home. Um, but, but that was somebody I didn't think honestly would get saved. And just like, you know, that guy you were just talking about, my mom, she cursed like a sailor. Uh, you know, the F word was her favorite word. And after she got saved, she didn't say anything. In fact, she started to defend me. And I mean, her whole thing flipped. Right. But, you know, her death was very bittersweet for me because on the one hand, obviously she's dead. But on the other hand, um, you know, I never got to see her grow in the Lord. But what I did see was and I didn't know this is the cool part, too, is when we were cleaning up her house and and stuff like that, the neighbors in her um, community, her retirement community, uh, they came over to me and they said, are you Stacy? I go, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, you're Mary's daughter, right? And I said, yeah. And they're like, well, I want you to know that your mom had been coming to a Bible study for a year. She never told me this. In fact, I was writing her letters with the gospel in it. And I had written a lot of music and I shared it with my mom. And my mom was the type to throw stuff back at me. And so she would always like send back the letters where I'd share the gospel in it, but she always kept my music, which was all Christ centered. And what was funny was these neighbors were like, she, all she would do is talk about your music and how lovely it was. And so my mom would be complaining about me evangelizing her and indirectly actually be evangelizing at the same time. And so I've always found that funny, Um, you know, so it's true. Don't ever give up people. God, God can do, do miracles. Uh, He's so God short. Yeah. We sell him short. <laughs> He's so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, for me too, right. Um, Randall was a witness to all of this. I mean, he can testify everything I just said is true. Um, you know, 
So anyway. Any I took care of people on life support in the hospital. And I would get down in their ear if I knew that things didn't look good for them. I would get down in their ear and just share the gospel with them. Because, you know, I don't know. But maybe they can't talk to me, but I don't know what they're capable of understanding. So why why take that chance? Why not use it? And I'll tell you, I've led a lot of families to the Lord around the bed of a dying patient. So just, yeah, never give up. Never sell God short because he's powerful. All I am is a vessel. All we are are vessels. But when his power is flowing through us, oh my word. Yeah. Amen. (laughs) I love that. You know, I love that. Hey, does anybody out there have any questions for Rachel or any comments? Um, I see a couple people in Periscope. Uh, Don came in. Pastor Tommy's in the house. We were just talking about you earlier, just so you know. Uh, we, we were just saying that, you know, Rachel can take California and evangelize. You can do the North, and I'll do the South. We'll all wear our hats, you know. <laughs> right. Uh, I'll have to pull my hair in a ponytail, though, just, you know, so it fits good. Um, and all that. So, uh, um, yeah. So what do you think as far as the election, what do you think is going to happen during the election? I think it's going to be a landslide. I think President Trump is going to win. He has stood by the church. He has stood by Israel. People are uh, praying. You know, there's, I mean, you just, even if you don't, even if you're not a Christian, you look at what's going on in the other side and you go, whoa. So I haven't thought anything about it. You know, at the end, I did a broadcast yesterday. I think it was yesterday. And I said, I, you know, he's winning. He's winning. The thing I want believers to think about most is even with his winning, we have four more years. And then, you know, we've got, so our assignment never changes. No matter who the president is, it may get tougher because they might try and restrict us like they want to do with the, the Equality Equality Act or whatever that the other side wants to do. But our assignment never changes. It's always to go forth and preach the gospel and try and win people to the Lord. And that's the best way to turn the tide. I can turn you on to Trump and conservatism. um, But if you don't know the Lord, you know, you're still going to hell and it can't change your heart. But God can change the heart. And so just, um, I don't worry about it. I love the man. I've been praying for the man since day one. And and I think it's going to be a landslide. Yeah. You know what? I kind of agree with that. Um, And not because I, you know, have, because I'm so political, but because I'm, because, (laughs) how do I say this? I, I think it's because if you actually just look at what's being done, I mean, I watched the last debate. And I watch stuff on C-SPAN. I don't watch it on regular news because I can't stand the commentary. It drives me crazy. Um, On C-SPAN, viewers call in and they give their feedback. And in the last debate, I was amazed at how many Democrats called in and were like, what the heck just happened? You know, Joe Biden. I mean, seriously, It's, it's, it's sad because it's really not Joe Biden that we're that that's going to be that president if he gets in it's going to be harris and that's that is not going to be a good picture in fact somebody i think it was my friend denise she posted this uh ad it was a trick-or-treat ad and it showed up that it was um 
it was a guy that came to the door in a Joe Biden uh, costume. And, and then they're like, you look weird or something like that. And then anyway, then they rip off the head and it was Camilla underneath, you know, <laughs> it was funny. Yeah, anyway, yeah no, was... that's exactly what would happen if he were to win. There, there's plans that we don't know about, but I believe that, yeah, if he were to win. Yeah. God is going to answer. We're going to see a third grade awakening. We're already seeing it. I know that. You know, Tommy's uh, daughter and son-in-law, you see things going on there in Kentucky, in Florida, even mm -hmm. here in California. Yep. Um, and so I'm excited. This is our time, and it's time for the church to wake up and for the church to arise. And don't stay in the pew. Go there, but then leave the pew and go out into the world and into your city into your town and preach the gospel tell somebody about jesus if i can say one thing i carry this with me everywhere i go my little red bag inside my little red bag are bibles new testament tracts discipleship material verses all all sorts of uh, jazz in here I take it with me everywhere I go. I'm always prepared to give somebody something about the Lord. Don't ever be caught off guard and, and start asking the Holy Spirit to direct you. Lord, where do you want me to park? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? He will lead you and it will become the funnest thing you've ever done. You know what? And it is. It's the greatest and the funnest thing yeah. Well, I have to tell you, this is so great. I got to tell you a story. So, um, uh, and it kind of ties in. So for the last 50 something days, um, I've been getting up early and praying and reading the Bible with a group of, of people, right? Pam Gillespie has headed this up. Anyway, I met a woman in this group. We were all strangers, except I knew Pam. Um, but here we are like, Makeup, no makeup, you know, whatever. First thing in the morning, hello, uh, hi, we're on Zoom. Hey, don't you look great in your bathrobe? <laughs> whatever. Anyway, we, the whole thing, the whole point of this was to just get into, to be accountable in Bible reading. Well, anyway, there's a, there's a woman in this group who I connected with this week and we ended up having a two hour conversation and she shared with me her testimony. It was so great. Part of her testimony involved, um, uh, it was around 9-11, and she was going into work during 9-11, uh, and a woman at her job handed her a Bible track, and it had, uh, it had roses on the, I think she said it had roses on the cover of it, and, um, and she, she, she's an attorney, and so she put, she threw it in her, her briefcase, went home, forgot about it, and, uh, anyway, and then some, a short time later, she had been going through some stuff and, and she remembered that she had a Bible, um, and, and she knew intuitively that it was wrong to throw a Bible away. And she told me that the only reason she had a Bible was because she ended up going to a Christian college, never got saved, had to go to chapel. She only had a Bible because she had to have, she had to take a class on the Bible and the Bible was the textbook, but she never actually read the Bible, but she knew she had a Bible well, she went somewhere else. I don't know if it was the same person or if it was um, somebody else, but somebody else ended up giving her another track. 
except she told me that tract had cartoons in it. And she said it caught her attention and she decided that she would read it and and that she was very um, moved by the fact that that it was something that drew her attention and and but she still she still didn't know she didn't quite understand what it meant but she knew she had to look up the verses in the bible so she went and she found the bible she was super happy that she found it and she didn't throw it away uh because she knows it's wrong to throw bible away (laughs) and anyway after that she was able to to eventually go to church with this person and she did get born again and now she's been involved in precept bible studies and and just devouring God's word. She's been a believer now for, well, since the 9-11, so however many years that is. Um, but I share that because of the tract. You know, they work. They, yeah, to- they, they totally work. You know, uh, Randall and I, with the Gideons, uh, you know, we, I, 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 I remember on an auxiliary distribution I went out on once with my friend Doris, who was, She's like 30 years older than me. She's like, okay, we got to mark down how many we're going to give away. And we went into this uh, dentist's office, I think it was, or it was a doctor's office. It was in California. And we went in there, and there's probably 50 people in the waiting room. And I walked in, and I'm like, I can't wait. And there's this lady sitting in the front row of chairs. She's like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I'm here to give out Bibles. And I held up a little testament. And she's like, I don't want a Bible. And I'm like, okay, well. And so then I said, hey, does anybody else in here want a Bible? It totally got quiet. <laughs> and there was, this, there was this kid in the back of the room who went like this. And I said, awesome. And I took my bag of Bibles. By the time I got to the back of that room, with that testament for that kid. As I was walking back to come up to the front of the room, everybody wanted a copy. Wow. So I literally handed out, I don't even know how many. Um, and the, and the lady was like, no, I don't want it. And then my friend Doris is like, oh no, do you know how many you had? had? I said, I don't know, Doris, how many I handed out, but let's, you know, we, we, we did what we're supposed to do. <laughs> so, you know, people, people are wanting that, and what I can tell you in my networking communities, uh, when I was talking to people, like I, I started inviting people to a Bible study that I'm doing. And even today I had a meeting with somebody and I said, and I don't know if they're a Christian, but I, I'm, they're like anything else. I said, yeah, I'm doing a, I'm doing a Bible study every other Tuesday night. You want to come to it? Oh yeah, sure. I'd love to. And people are coming. I got like 40 people on my, my email list for that. And people who I would not expect to want to come to a bible study but the harvest is plentiful that's right and the laborers are few that's right good for you go and just pray you know you never know because people always have to take what you said to them and then they have to put their head on the pillow at night and go huh i wonder if i wonder if what she said was true i wonder if you know and so my job isn't to save anybody. I can't say. My job is to just go tell. We get wrapped up in ourselves. We make it all about us. It's all about God. 
Right. Just do your job and whatever the decision, well, that's between them and God. Your only responsibility is to share the gospel. Yeah. That's right. Amen. Well, it looks like our time is, is we, we went over time, but whatever, it's okay. I can do that. Is there anything else that you would like to share before we kind of cut off? I don't see any questions coming through because this is, everybody's just holding on to all of our words. Yeah, they are. I would just encourage people to go and start to uh, share the gospel with people. If you don't know how to do it, if you would say, you know what, I just don't have a clue, then please get a hold of me. I'd be happy to help you um, with that. But you know what? It really, I mean, your own testimony of how you came to know the Lord. How did you get saved? You know, Mm -hmm. Um, just go and tell, go and tell people what you know, because you know what? God has been, he's everything to me. Why in the world would I not share? Why wouldn't I share about Jesus after all that Jesus has done for me? Amen. That, that is so awesome. And it's so true. That's the best part, you know, and, and people, you know, here, here's just a trick. That's right. All right, people, I'm about to reveal a secret. You ready, Rachel? I'm ready. Okay. So one thing I've learned as I've gotten older, you know, with like white hair and stuff, is that even though I might not feel like I look like an old person or an older woman, (laughs) I use my age to my advantage. (laughs) And I'm like, honey, because when I hit 40, all of a sudden I started saying that to people. I don't know what happened. It was like honey goes off in your head. You just start saying honey and dear to people. Like, oh, honey. Oh, can I tell you something, sweetheart? You know, <laughs> and and then you just share with them that God loves them, you know, and and you speak God's word to them, and then pretty soon the Lord is doing what He's doing, um, you know, because who's gonna get mad at hit a middle aged woman? Just saying, people, you know, right, Rachel? Hey, you know, right. uh, the way I say it, just be yourself. Nobody's going to beat up a middle-aged woman or man. I've never been hit. And you know what? If they don't get saved, if they say I'm not interested, you know what I say? Can I pray for you? Can I just pray for you? Nobody, nobody nobody has ever turned me down for prayer. In fact, I had an old man one time on a park bench and I, I approached him and I started talking to him and asked if I could pray for him and tears started coming down his eyes. Um, because he was lonely. He was hurting. There were some family issues. His daughter had left him and, you know, basically to be. And, and so I prayed for him and he gave me a hug and just pray for people. Just love people. Just love people. Yep. That's all you gotta do. Just love them. I had an unsaved friend tell me once, uh, that prayer was one of the the greatest gifts that you could ever give anybody. That was an unsaved Mm -hmm. person that told me that. Never forgot it. Uh, so, so how about we pray? How about you lead us in some prayer? How's that? Yes, let's do it. Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight, Father. And God, I thank you for the gospel. And God, may we stand tonight and boldly proclaim that we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. 
for all that will believe, Father. Lord, I thank you that you have you have told us, come and work with me. You to take imperfect people and you work with us, Lord, and you allow us the privilege of talking about you to people. Lord, I pray for anybody that's listening to this right now or on replay that might be kind of hesitant and thinking, oh, I don't know if I could do that or whatever. Oh, Father, may they just allow you to just blow them away, to overcome them. And, and Father, if they just do it a few times, they become addicted to it. Father, begin preparing hearts right now, Holy Spirit, for those people tonight who are saying, you know what, I'm going to start doing that. And so, Father, lead them. Lead them to the right people, God, those who the Holy Spirit has been working on. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you go with us. And you want these people saved more than we do, Father. Mm -hmm. So help us to just go. Forgive us, Father, that we, we are inclined to make it all about us. Father, I thank you for Stacy and Randall, and I ask that you bless them, Father, and prosper their ministry and their lives in every way, Lord, because they honor you every chance that they get. And bless her dad, God. Give him a good night. Give him a night of rest. May all who deal with him speak to him with gentle voice and kind, kind words and gentle hands. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 I love you. You know that? I love you. Yeah. I yeah. thank you. I know. Thank you. One of these days, I'm going to get to hug you, darn it. You know? And Come on over. <laughs> I will someday. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing, you guys. You know, somebody told me recently how bold they think I am. You know what makes you bold when you know the truth? Yeah. You know, I know what I'm talking about. You know, there's no, and, and so does Rachel and the time is short and, and the word of God doesn't lie. You know, he said the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. Therefore beseech the Lord of the harvest. You know, that's what we got to do. We got to do that. So, uh, Rachel, I'm glad that you are doing that. You're leading the way. And, um, we pray that God's continued blessing be on you. Um, because, can you imagine the harvest when we get to heaven? I can't even imagine what it's going to look like. You know what I mean? Like what we did and what God was doing that we never saw. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. What's your website? Um, EvangelistRachelMinistry.com. And Evangelist Rachel Ministries at Gmail is my email. And I'm on Facebook under Evangelist Rachel. So come and see me. I, I'd love to talk with any of you. Yeah. And she's in my daily disciples. She's one of my readers. Uh, I, I possess her as a reader. <laughs> Does a great job every time. I just love it. Uh, so yeah, you guys go join the daily disciples group, go to her website, get in touch with her. If you need to be discipled or encouraged or prayed for, I mean, honestly, I, I just, I melt every time she prays <laughs> for me and my dad. I mean, it's like, oh, so yeah, I do that tomorrow night. Uh, we'll be back. I, we are going to be covering some news. Uh, the election is coming up soon. 
Um, and then Sunday night, we're having Pam Gillespie on the show to talk about her brand new Bible study in Judges. And we're going to hear a little bit about her and her life. I've asked her to share about her testimony, how she got involved in women's discipleship and, and um, you know, and doing the work that she's doing. I think you're going to be really encouraged hearing her. Um, and, uh, and, and, and so make plans Sunday night. It's going to be an unusual night because usually Randall does it, but we're doing a special thing with Pam because that's when she can do it. So. Uh, so join us there, and as I always say, be bold, stand up, and go with God, people, because he loves you. Yeah, he does. Go tell somebody.